Welcome to Whiskey Fit, where we believe every bottle of whiskey has a story to tell. Three guys, one bottle, endless bonding. Here are your hosts, Ryan, Evan, and JJ. Welcome back to Whiskey Fit, episode six. Uh, excited for this one. As one of our co-hosts, Ryan, has already pointed out, this is a number two for us. We have Dr. Adrian Tipton with us for episode six. Say hello, Adrian. Hello. And unfortunately, or fortunately, as always, to my right, we have the third person of our podcast. Say hi. Hi. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Uh, I, I was to the right. Me. I'm to the right. I'm You're also further to the right. To the right. Yeah. Well, I'm here also. This uh, shit so show is already on a great... Uh, Scott is... What's going on with as the other doctor? Yeah, that's why I was like, fine. doctor number two. No, no, no the other doctor is actually who we brought, like we said, Dr. Adrian Tipton. Um, yeah, but see, mine's a fake doctor. I don't right? know what the doctor is in. Adrian, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, so it's in uh, PhD synthetic organic chemistry. So I went to school to make drugs and then opted not to. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Arizona, south of Tucson, which is almost near Mexico. And then... Uh, Went to school, Flagstaff, went to grad school in Reno, went to postdoc in Minnesota, moved to California for 10 years, worked in a couple different industries, high tech, and then worked in consumer packaged goods, then moved over to the company I'm at now, which is uh, food packaging for the most part, but get to do a lot of work with engineers and scientists and all that. We have so many tracks that I can just chase, yeah. so many <laughs> rabbits now, which I'm extremely excited about, but it is Whiskey Fit. I see it to your left over there. What did you bring us today? So I brought a 10th Street American Whiskey STR. So this actually, when I worked in high tech, I worked with uh, a lot of engineers, a lot of really smart people, way nerds. smarter than me, total nerds. And um, this guy, Vishal Gwari, actually uh, worked with his college roommate, and they started this, uh, this distillery in San Jose, California. And what they did as engineers, they actually tried to design how do you um, faster age or get the, the flavor of the aged whiskey in a faster way. So chemical compounds, what is it? So they actually did all the analysis on the material to figure out what it is. And they have a unique way of distilling, and they use only hmm. copper pots in their distilling. And uh, so they basically try to expedite the aging process to get the same flavor profile. So you guys can decide yourselves if you think they have mastered that or not. But won several awards. Uh, been around. I think I, I w was at their distillery right w when they started to open before they'd released any batches, which I think was four years ago, just I think right before COVID. And then um, and then I actually messaged him not too long ago and said, hey, do you have any of this? And he's like, you can't buy it anywhere but California. So he shipped me some samples, which was two full bottles, this being one of them. So. <laughs> That's awesome. Can we get some samples? I was about to say, is that a seven? Well, go ahead, Brian. It's right next yeah. to you. Will you pop it? Is that yeah. We got a cork? We got a screw on there. Uh, it's, a cor it's a cork. cork. It's a cork. Is that a 750 milliliter? It doesn't look like a 750. It is. It looks kind of small. Okay, so Adrian, man, like I said, with so much to unpack here, you started in <laughs> Tucson. And if yep. I tracked correctly, you went. Yep. <laughs> of course I do. That's to make sure. You That's went good. Tucson, out west, yep. then north, or did you go Tucson north then west? I went north then further north then east then west. Why did you go further north and or north <laughs> in general? Uh, so, be careful how I say this. So. I graduated actually mid-year, so graduated semester early, and there were only so many grad schools that would take you mid-year. So um, ended up at University of Nevada, Reno for grad school. Undergrad was at Northern Arizona, which is where my dad went to school, um, and uh, happened to be 
we went to that school. So my husband also was a PhD chemist and, um, that was the only school that would take him at the time. <laughs> so we went there and I say that lovingly because he actually, you know, excelled after that. So did, uh, I think way better than me in some of the classes we took, but, uh, we but won't anyway. tell him that. It's yeah, okay. We that's right. He knows. That. He knows. But uh, but yeah. So that's how we ended up there. And then uh, postdoc in Minnesota, because there was somebody he really wanted to work for there in Minnesota, and uh, I really hate the cold and uh, <laughs> wasn't super excited about it. But um, went there, had a great time. Actually, met a lot of good people. Uh, got to see actual fall like colors. Never knew that. So and you know you grow up in Arizona and they talk yeah. to you about fall and you're like I don't know what this fall is you speak of like yeah. what does that mean because in ca- you know cactus stuff doesn't fall from cactus. So got to see the leaves change which is amazing. Got to see like a real snowstorm which really hated. Lost my <laughs> truck and it got towed uh, under the yeah because it got buried under snow. We lost it for about three months. Had a big tow bill. Yeah. Yeah. So excited when we got to move to California for our jobs. So uh, that worked out well. What part of Cali did you head to? Uh, east of San Francisco. So near San Jose, which is where I met uh, Vishal. And um, he, is, he and his wife were actually the first people that held, uh, held uh, my first board, Helena. So they were the only people we really knew in California when we moved there because we had her about six months later. And uh, they came to the hospital and saw her. So that's why I still talk to them to this day. So while everybody's tasting, I got to ask one more question about California. Do you endorse living in east of San Francisco, California in 2023? Um, so, hmm, weather's amazing. Mortgage payments way better in uh, Texas, I will say that. Um, politics, a little bit of a shit show. My biggest issue with living there, I will tell you, which we're not getting into politics, but what I will tell you... You're the one that brought up the political. I'm stunned by this. No, go ahead, Andrew. You're doing fine. Yeah, you're doing great. Who brought up politics? You did. I brought up living somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's very chart politically. Anyway. So I will say my biggest issue with living there, a lot of great things, was the fact that the school systems uh my daughter, I think my my daughter was eight. My son wasn't in school yet when we moved, but they cut PE, they cut art, they cut music, they had to have parents in there to help with class, which I would try to go volunteer twice a week in the classroom. Um, classrooms were packed and with as much money as we paid in taxes, it was weird that it wasn't going to the school. We moved here and it was like, oh, like the schools were beautiful. They it's were brand you had really new. good city managers yes, and city officials, city. didn't yes, you? Yes, exactly. Um, so well-managed <laughs> city. So yeah, a lot of great things about when we live there. I will say a lot of great people, but I will say raising your children in this area of Texas was phenomenal. Awesome. So I've taken a sip. Yeah. Well, I guess Ryan, did you? What'd you find over there on the Twitter machine and on the Google machine? I mean, not a whole lot more than Twitter what had Adrian talked about. It. She did good with what she knew on it, and you can look at it and look how gold that it is. I mean, it, that's the copper pot. That's what yeah. the copper pot looks like right there. And then they finish it so the STR that's on there that actually stands for. Let me find it again. It was like shaved, toasted, and something else. But they actually finish it in um, in different casts, shaved. Toasted and recharged casts is how they finish it to get a little bit of the smokiness that's in there. But did they uh, describe what recharged means? I think that might be some recharged, not charged. I heard charged, charged. I heard charged, and that's also a lot of their special sauce and their processing is how they get it to have that more aged flavor without the aged time. 
Yeah. So I think the whole idea is they, they distill it in the pots, the copper pots, which is their specialty, much like your Irish whiskeys that you really enjoy. I picked up on that. I wasn't yeah, going to say anything, yeah, I guys. You, I picked you, up on it. I figured you got that. And then, but finishing it in those casts like that, that's the typical Amer- American version, right? You know, so everything's done in wooden casts. So, but yeah. Then I, I, I thought it was good. I was, it's delicious. And then adding that little bit of uh, the, the charred one there. So now that I've heard it correctly, yeah. that's more like the Tennessee whiskey. Sure. So what do you have taste-wise? Uh, taste-wise, it was a little fruity, maybe like cherry tart or cherry, something like that. I didn't get a whole lot of burn. I think that's a new one. Nice. Cherry I'm not, tart. I'm not sure we've had cherry tart yet. We'll, we'll have to go back and look. And we'll have to look in the archives I think, and see where it is. I think that's a new one. <laughs> but that's what I got out of it. I mean, I, I thought it was sweet, but on like the cherry sweet side of it. Yeah. I got a little bit of blackberry. Blackberry? Maybe. Yeah. I got sweet. I didn't put a, didn't put a fruit to it, but you know, I just got sweet. But not syrupy, if that makes sense. It's not that thick syrupiness. It's very light and smooth. So, I've got a new one for you that we have not put on 100%. For some reason, I got Twizzlers. Twizzlers. Oh. I got tw- a Twizzler so sweetness. Like, like a licor- red one. That would be a licorice, wouldn't no, it? No, but it's red. Red is, red is a- not quite like black licorice, black yeah. Twizzlers. Well, right, but it's still a licorice it's flavor, different. isn't it? Are we Twizzlers can- cherry twists, isn't that? I don't know. We can, argue-, so. we can anyway. argue about this later. So... Adrian, when it comes to tell me one more time the PhD, like what's it in? <laughs> Synthetic organic chemistry. So actually, my PhD was so. I mean, a lot of you guys have babies, right? Were any of them jaundiced when they were born? Yes, my first one was. All right, so that yellow color in the skin is actually a breakdown of heme or from the blood, right? So when the iron's removed, that yellow color is a pigment called bilirubin. So when you shine light on it, the reason why, so basically liver is not processing right when the baby's born, it's just not ready yet, right? But it's, so that's why the buildup of yellow happens in the body. When you shine light on it, it actually causes that molecule to change configuration, which makes it able, able to be excreted from the body. So essentially what my PhD was in, in making analogs, synthesizing analogs of that, of bilirubin and actually trapping uh, cancer molecules in them. And then putting them in a targeted place, you shine light on it and it releases it. So it doesn't quite poison your entire body as bad, but you would release it wherever the tumor was. That was the intent behind the research. Now, again, PhD is a very academic, um, spent a lot of time in the lab synthesizing really big molecules, a lot of pigment, washed my hands off with a lot of acetone, yellow, other lots of colors. <laughs> it was great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, didn't kill any rats, but processed through rats, didn't get really much further than that and um, published several papers on it and then moved on to my postdoc, which is actually inorganic chemistry, a lot of metals, and then DNA cleaving uh, for very targeted type of applications, which didn't use any of that after that. So <laughs> that's when I went into uh, high tech and got to work on semiconductors in the industry uh, for several years. So what? What do you use? So do you use any of your doctorate stuff in what you do now? Actually, I do. So uh, surprisingly, <laughs> I know. Uh, I work with, uh, so our company is, uh, we do fiber-based packaging. So a lot of paper, a lot of plastic packaging, a lot of recycled content packaging. So a lot of sustainable packaging, compostable materials, all of that. So I have a team of scientists that work with me, a team of engineers. So use a lot of that. Ironically, the science that goes in like, so if you go to McDonald's or Chick-fil-A and you get your food in those bags, the amount of research in science that goes into that, into food packaging that you end up throwing away is crazy. So, so it's actually, you wouldn't, if somebody asked me, this is what I was going to be doing when I got out of school, 
I would have said you're crazy. I don't even know what that is, but actually it's a really fun job. Enjoy it. So and you get to go travel ahead. a good bit. Yeah, I leave tomorrow. Yeah, we were just talking about this. Yeah, I leave tomorrow. I'll be gone for 14 days, and I'll be in probably 13 different cities in Europe. Just one city a day, looking at facilities, looking at companies to buy, figuring out you know if their science is right, if they're you know if they're running their plants right. So these are all places that are established or to trying to sit to be bought. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So it leads to two questions. Honestly, the first question I think is pretty obvious, at least to most people. I think. How does one decide they're going to go down the path that you decided to go down as far as studying? Because that's not <laughs> something like when you ask an 18 year old, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Not too many, put your hand down, JJ. <laughs> not too many people, like the three other people sitting at the table, although I think one of them is actually very much into it as well, decides, I want to go be a biochemist or I want to dive into that stuff. How did that come about? Uh, so funny story. So, I mean, it's always pretty good in school, but my brother is Menza smart. My brother is extremely intelligent. He's a computer science guy, right? He, he actually knows what goes on in the cloud, unlike most. And um, But everyone always used to tell me, they're like, you're not quite as smart as your brother. <laughs> and so I, I was always like, I didn't think I was really that smart until I went to school and realized that I had a, I had a professor in chemistry, my chemistry 101 teacher. I was a food nutrition science major, so originally. And uh, I was nervous to take chemistry because I thought, well, I'm not going to, you know, do well or whatever. And, and he's like, actually, you're really good in this class. And he was a s senator for the state of Arizona, very good politician, talked me into the fact that we need more women in chemistry, we need more women in science. And so I was like, sure. So then I started taking classes. I really liked it. And uh, then when I was getting ready to graduate, I'm like, well, I don't want to, I literally did not want to get my master's because I didn't want to be at the lab. Like I wanted to be the person that told people what to do. So they're like, well, then you have to get your PhD. I'm like, great, I'm going to go do that. So then, yeah, then got my PhD. So it was, it was and a lot of fun stopped. though. Never stopped. Just kept, you know, what you can tell, if you tell me I can't do something, I will figure out how to do it. And I think that's kind of always worked with a nothing wrong with you men, but always work with very male dominated, uh, uh, industries and high tech, uh, some better than others at my company now, extremely supportive of women. I've worked at companies where not so supportive of women. So, um, it's actually great to be in a place where they really are and they're very uplifting, I think. So, so more the lighter side, by the way, that's incredible. And also as somebody that gets to coach you on a regular basis, cause Adrian is a member at our gym and she is a part of the 5am, 6am crew, which I get to be a part of quite often. Um, the, I'm going to prove it to you if you tell me that I cannot do it is it's quite <laughs> strong and evident when you go to Europe or I'm assuming you have to go other places as well. Everybody always asks, man, where's the coolest place do you go? Where do you not want to go in Europe or in any of the travel places? Like where are you like, yep, no, I'm really not looking for this trip. A little judicious. <laughs> well, I mean, right now let's you know, say the obvious, probably Ukraine. Okay. France? Yeah. France is right. right. France is probably not fun right now. I am all over France. In fact, the majority of where I'm going, I fly into Paris. In I am all over France all next week. Right now. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. Um, Just for reference, it's July 2nd. So if you're listening to this and you don't know why. July 2nd, 2023. Look the news up. Anyway, go France go, is on fire. Go back to your newspapers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do they even have those still? I don't know. So, okay. You don't like to go to Ukraine. So, clearly, France. I bad. would say. I've been to Japan, but China's not on top on my list. Ian, a lot of it is so 
mainly it's it's the language barrier if I have to travel by myself because I don't always get to travel with somebody from work so or I'm meeting people there but um China would make me a little bit nervous a lot of it's the food too so I don't know if you guys know like I have Alpha-Gal syndrome so I can't eat red meat or pork or mystery meats or anything like that so if, I didn't know that sorry so it, I no, no no I had chicken I'm <laughs> chicken. two legs and totally I'm fine right really glad I um, brought that then yeah I was I was thinking about that I was like <laughs> what if somebody didn't couldn't eat beef no, like, right. so I just have to be very particular about what I eat and a lot of times in China like it's hard to tell what the food is because the language barrier so I would say that, but most places, I mean, all been good experiences. There's never been anywhere that I was like, I don't want to go back there. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Then where do you, when you see it on the calendar, you're like, yes, I'm going there. Where's that place? I had it. Well, so I, I did a European tour earlier this year and, um, got to go through the champagne region of France, got to briefly stop and have a glass of champagne somewhere, but most of it's, I mean, it's pretty aggressive travel. I'd like to go back to that area. Also, we were in Italy. Um, I'm hoping we buy this company because that facility in Italy is <laughs> right on the water and it was beautiful. So it's like, yeah, so that was that what, was great. What part of Italy? Amalfi? It was, uh, it, yeah, it was right off the coast. Yep. Amalfi coast. Yep. Um, and then we got to, we were flying private between and we got to fly right over the, the, the Swiss Alps. And I oh, mean, man. it was just a beautiful view. And I'm like, okay, this isn't so bad. But uh but yeah, I thought that was great. And I've been to Australia for work many years ago and would like to go back. I've not been to New Zealand, but like to go and actually experience that. But it's funny. I've been to all these places for work. I've never actually been on vacation, vacation. in Europe. Been to South America, been to Mexico, but not to Europe for vacation. So that's on the list over Christmas, I hope. Very nice. Italy's my only checkbox. Like. It's the only place Scotland. that I like. What the hell's wrong with you? Ireland and Scotland. I'll be in Ireland next week, too. We're talking about doing That's that my last year. stop, actually, before I fly home. On a completely, I mean, obviously you've got a nerd side, but on, you've <laughs> struck a nerve on my nerd side. Your like rhythm and your time zones and your jet lag has to be absolutely awful with all of the travel that you do. Like as far as when you come back, your recovery has to be terrible. I. Knock on wood, it's not too bad. I usually try to pace when I sleep and how I sleep on the planes. And when I get back, like I just try to get back into the same routine, like as quick as possible. So I've been to Europe three times this year. Usually good. Back in the gym the next day. Like it's hmm. like, yeah. If you if you do it enough, I guess it is it's just like anything else. You get that adaptation and you're able to to handle it. But I will tell you after COVID, my first couple trips after COVID it was getting back into rhythm. It was like, Oh, like, cause I, I have like a suitcase that's always packed. Like I have duplicate of everything. And so yeah. basically I'm just swapping stuff out all the time. Like I've, I forgot my pants. I forgot. <laughs> my, like, I mean, there were so many things that I, I'm like, I got to go to the store. Like I don't have, I didn't have like, I mean, so many things I didn't have. I remember walking through like Walgreens, like, yep, I'm totally not equipped for this. So, so now we, that we, we've iced yeah. it, everybody's iced it, right? Yeah. So, Different for you, JJ? Very much so. I actually liked it better neat. And I, I normally am a like throw it on a rock kind of guy, but I liked it a lot better, like a lot better neat. It had a lot more complexity. It just kind of muted out when it when it got wet. So that that might be the difference in actual aging versus a, if rushing the aging, right? Yeah. So if you rush the, the ice age, and the like, water takes too much of it away. Yeah, yeah. It just, it's yeah. too volatile. The chill took it away. That I kind of liked it's warm. Maybe that's where part it of it was too. warmed at room temp. And it, it, you could pull all of the flavors out. Yep. 
and it just kind of lost a little bit on the ice. So I, I prefer it neat as well. That's what the, the um, like wines, if you want to hide a bad wine, you get it cold, you get right? Cold. So. You know the best way to aerate a wine? Uh-oh. With a straw, just blow bubbles in it. Ah. You can make a really crappy bottle of wine taste almost drinkable if you do that. It's from a chemistry side of things, mm-hmm. I'm assuming. Yes. I was all gonna, the a, there's out. probably a paper written on that somewhere. I was going to go down the, the Franzia slap the bag cold wine. That's why it's cold is because it's so terrible. But yeah. she's also much smarter than me. That's, yeah. That's cool. I mean, it doesn't mean that both aren't correct. <laughs> I've ne- well, I'm, I'm sure I've had some hot Franzia wine, but it's probably after. No, after. No, no. That's some just point. asking that. at the point you don't care anymore. Correct. That's exactly what it is. Uh, I also liked it neat, better. Um, it got cooled off. It got, I guess, watered down. Yeah, if you will. Uh, neat was very good for me personally. It, it tasted kind of chemically a little bit, but we haven't. What did you think? I actually, so typically I prefer ice in mine, um, but actually I did like this better neat. It, the flavors definitely are better. Uh, it got watered down really quick. Yeah, And you're more of a wine person than a whiskey person anyway, right? I am. That's why the other bottles I bought uh, actually are finished in wine casts, just because they have a little bit of yeah. red wine well, kick to Sweetness them. to it. Just in case you had to totally bell and change everything at the last minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for those of you, you obviously can't see, she's... We have an assortment of whiskeys that just came from Adrian. Uh, she could have done three podcasts on her own. So, okay. So, last little bit of thing. You said your husband uh, also is a biochemist or is in something along those lines. He's a chemist, yes. So, we asked this to one of our former, um, one of our former guests, who him and his wife were athletes. Both you and your husband are on the chemist side. Do you feel the need to stay away from it with your two children? Did they pick up on it innately? How did that dynamic work? Uh, so it's funny. We do talk a lot about work. We nerd out a little bit on stuff. And we can actually, we used to work at the same company actually for several years too, um, which actually worked out okay. He worked in a team that would develop stuff and I worked on the team that could tell him what he could say and do with it. So it worked out pretty well. You uh, got to be the boss. Uh, yeah, it's, it worked out. Um, but no, uh, just kidding. Uh, but uh <laughs> He, um, the kids actually, neither one of them, they were very science adverse, which makes me laugh. So neither one of them actually got into science at all. But ironically, my daughter is interning at one of the largest chemical companies that supplies all of our chemicals to the labs that we worked at as undergrads in grad school. So she's working there in their, in their medical device area, but she's working there as an, as an intern. So I'm like, it's full circle. You're not going to get away from it. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, uh, and, but I, I encourage them to do whatever I didn't, so it wasn't never said, Hey, you need to get a PhD or you need to get a higher level education or whatever. And I hope they do if they choose to, but it was more just like, you know, do what you're passionate about. You have to love your job. And that's what I love about my job now. Like, I love going to work every day. My dad always told me, he's like, if you don't like going to work, it's not worth it. Go figure out something else to do. And so for me, I mean, I enjoy work. I enjoy the travel. I enjoy the, the company culture and everything. So it, it's worth it. Like, it's yeah. fun. The difference there is what you're saying is, this because my dad would tell me the same thing is, don't find a job, find a career. Yeah. If you find a career, you'll never have to work a day in your life type of thing. Exactly. I've literally always been that way. It's always felt like that to me too. I've never had a job. Yeah. I've always had things that were a career that so, Exactly. Totally different mindset. That's why I had to leave the chem lab. So I have a chemistry like I have the BS in chemistry and then like I was working ran, running a NASA grant at Marshall University and then like I decided June that I didn't want to be a chemist anymore and like got enrolled in chiropractic school came down here and changed all of that stuff. So 
I have a BS in chemistry and then I said, I don't want to be a chemist anymore. Didn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. So I ran a, ran a grant for a little bit and did all that stuff. And then just like, I don't want to write those kind of papers. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to chase grants like master's degree. I was already enrolled in the program and I was like, Nope, nah, I'm done. Cancel it. I'm out. It's kind of funny. Cause I, like I said, I started out as a food nutrition science major, love that stuff. And then I had a, I had a professor that she was like, she's like, Oh, you have to work with a lot of this is going to sound really bad, but she's like, you have to work with a lot of angry, heavy, overweight people. And I'm like, that just sounds like you, she's like, clearly she didn't love what she did for a living. Right. right. But it was like, I was, I, and I was a little bit like, you know, that's, if that's the type of people that work in the, like, I don't want to do what you do if you're so unhappy with yourself about that. But so then it was like, I started exploring other things. I thought, well, maybe I'll be a teacher. My dad was a school principal. He was also the town mayor. Stay away from that. I was super, <laughs> yeah, no, I was super popular in high school. Getting dates was awesome when your dad's like the principal and the mayor and all that stuff. It's just like, you know, everyone's like, yeah. stay away from that. But, um, but no, it was, uh, but my dad actually told me, he's like, you need to do something that you can support yourself because a lot of his teachers were women and they were having trouble making ends meet if something happened with their significant others. And so he was actually pretty adamant that I do something that I can fully support myself. So that was always in the back of my head. And then I, it just kind of worked, but I just feel like you kind of get led in directions, you know, call it divine intervention or whatever you believe in. But for me, it's, it's always been like, we had these weird opportunities to do things and it's like, you sort of ended up here, which is great. And we ended up in a great place, but wouldn't have thought this would the path we would have taken at all, but it is what it is. That's some incredible advice. Make sure that what you're doing when you wake up in the morning, you actually want to go do it. Mm. Probably more people can uh, take to that. If they would, they'd probably be a lot happier in life. But I told you beforehand, we always end every podcast the same way. Uh, you have 45 seconds to talk to a homeless man or potentially to a millionaire. What would you tell them about this whiskey? Hmm. I will choose homeless man. And I will say the interesting thing about this whiskey is, um, the folks that, uh, that the folks that I know, at least the one gentleman that actually started this company, um, he, he sort of defied all odds and always felt like that he could make things better with engineering or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, he had a lot of family history with him and his wife that I always thought they overcame. They came from two different religions and, and, and got together and just basically said, we love each other. We're getting married and they made it work and their family eventually accepted. My point is, as a homeless man, just say, you know what, you never, you never know what life can provide you and just always try to make things better. And that's what this whiskey was kind of about with this guy's history. So. Well, she just took the cake for the best. Yeah, I got nothing. I had, I so <laughs> like she went all philosophical and shit. It's like, damn. Follow that up, gonna, Brian. That's fine. I will. And, that, and that's what I like about it. So I think it's the first one that we've had where there's been like any personal connection yeah. on the podcast, which is really cool. So just literally based off of that, like my whole idea with whiskey and before COVID, I didn't even really drink whiskey that much. Then COVID happened. We're all locked in our homes and we're doing our NFX nightly phone calls and everybody's drinking. And we just started exploring whiskeys every day and me or Alyssa were going to the liquor store every other day to find a new one and we started sharing them and then I just realized it was like this just like the gym it was just another community and so I the most of the whiskeys that I like have super badass background stories and so something like this that has this cool story and personal connection to somebody that I know I would recommend it to anybody and the beauty is is being at the 46 percent or 92 proof it's low enough proof to where brand new folks that haven't really drink whiskey will enjoy it. 
or folks that have a little, you know, they have a history of drinking whiskey and the sophisticated tongue, they'll enjoy it neat with all of the flavors and tastes and profiles that you pull out of it. So to me, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was super good. Um, you know, hopefully at some point they expand outside of California and we could get them in our Texas liquor stores. Cause I'll definitely put one of those in, in my cabinet. So it was delicious. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, it, it, the, the worst part about that whole damn thing is that it's going to only be bought in California, um, <laughs> well, for a multitude of reasons, but the, um, <laughs> um, it's, it's delicious. Keep it on the rocks. Um, I really oh, wait, you said it. neat was better. You don't what? What I think? You said keep it. Oh on yeah, the rocks. get rid of. Sorry, my bad. My bad. I spoke backwards. Dyslexia is a horrible, sure. horrible freaking thing. We want consistency to the homes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So drink. Don't put it on the rocks. Keep it neat. Don't you know? Do that. My bad. Uh, I would also echo. It's a very fine whiskey. We didn't ask what was price point in California. Do you know? I don't because I didn't pay for it. <laughs> Everything that I saw online was like between sixty and seventy five dollars. That would have been my guess, yeah. I think, because that was their target price point. I know, but yeah. Um, but yeah, since I didn't actually purchase it, they had to send it to me. Yeah, sometimes online is a little different, but it, it said sixty to seventy five dollars, so it's right there in that moderate range where most of the good, the good ones usually fall into anyway. So, well, I would say keep it neat. Same thing as what everybody else has said. Um, it's smooth. I think it's sweet. Uh, personally, it's a good starter whiskey for somebody that, uh, wants to go after single malts and not necessarily bourbons. Um, but yeah, I really appreciate that you brought this, uh, because it was different and I'm not going to continue to kick a dead horse, but very cool story to it. And so other than that, we want to thank you, uh, because this has been a great podcast. It's been a different podcast, (laughs) um, for many, many different reasons, but genuinely thank you. Well, thanks for the invitation. It was very fun. Of course. And for that, that's Evan signing off. See you later, guys. See you guys. Bye, y'all.